0: Not sure what to make for dinner? Need some inspiration? Mondays and Wednesdays, join Gabriel and his food hero guests on The Dinner Special. And now, here's your host, Gabriel So. Welcome to The Dinner Special. I am Gabriel So, and I am so thrilled to have Jeanette Ordes of Everybody Likes Sandwiches joining me here on the show today. Jeanette's blog, Everybody Likes Sandwiches, is about the joy in preparing fresh food simply. She has fun creating delicious dishes from making do, and wants to let us know that eating and living simply and beautifully doesn't have to be complicated. Thanks so much for taking the time to chat with me today, Jeanette.
1: Thank you. I'm glad to be here.
0: Awesome. I'm glad to have you. Now, before starting your blog in 2005, you published your own pop culture magazine where you wrote about food, movies, and music. Can you talk a little bit about this and what that was like?
1: I think at the time I was working at a record store, and I just finished university, and I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I had studied film in school, and yeah, I didn't know what to do, so I wanted some sort of creative outlet, and I loved drawing and i just thought oh i'm gonna start a zine i had seen i'd seen them being you know in record stores or in a little magazine shop so i thought oh i'm gonna start one It was just like folded you know i sort of did cut and paste this was before photoshop probably or before i had access to photoshop and Yeah, it was just Xerox, stapled, folded, copied at Staples, and it was a good way for me to write about music. I originally started it just so I could get free CDs from record labels, so I would you know, get more music that I liked, and I was pretty poor at the time. But then I started having a food column called Faster Pussycat Eat Eat, and so I always wrote a little recipe in every issue, and, yeah, it was just sort of fun coming up with the recipes. And, you know, at the time, I don't think there were blogs. So, yeah, it was just sort of a good way to combine all my interests, which are, you know, music, movies, food. So, yeah, it was fun. And it was a creative endeavor. And that's, you know, self-controlled. I got to, you know, I was the boss. I didn't have anyone telling me what to do. So that was a very fun creative project to work on.
0: Cool. Well. Where did the idea behind your blog, Everybody Likes Sandwiches, come from? You know, I'm guessing that food blogs, as you mentioned, were probably not as popular back then when you started.
1: No, I think when I started, or I think just before I started, I came across a blog called, I think she still writes today, Chocolate and Zucchini, from I think she's from Paris. And so that was the first one I'd ever seen. I was just like, wow, people are writing about food and sharing recipes. And I really... Like that. I don't know. I like to, maybe because I used to have a zine before, I liked documenting my food somehow. And I wasn't sure what I wanted everybody like sandwiches to be. So I think I initially just opened up Blogger. I couldn't think of a name and I picked probably the worst name because it's so long. It's so hard to type into a browser bar. So. And it's not about sandwiches, so I don't know, but I think it fits because sandwiches are simple, easy, and I kind of think a lot of the recipes I choose to make are, you know, like a sandwich, very simple and easy. And yeah, so that was sort of my start. I remember it was like late at night and I just started my first post. I didn't know what to do. I didn't even have a camera back then. And it took a few months, but I remember I started getting people commenting. And I was just like, oh, it's kind of freaking me out. Like, I just didn't think people were reading it. And yeah, it was kind of fun. I realized, oh, there's actually like-minded people and they would link to their blogs. So then I realized, oh, there's actually a whole little community out there. So, yeah.
0: Now, you mentioned chocolate and zucchini. Are there some food blogs you followed back in 2005 that you still love today?
1: Yes. Molly from Orange I think she was probably my second commenter. And I mean, she's super successful. She has her amazing podcast, which I listen to all the time, Spilled Milk. Yeah. So that is probably the one I remember best. That's still around that time. And then... I don't know, there was, like, a slow build, or I don't even think it was a slow build. Like, it was just pretty fast. Like, all of a sudden, seemed a lot of people had food blogs. And, and I mean, there's still, like, there's still plenty, I think, from around that time. Maybe not 2005, but maybe end of 2006, 2007, maybe? That's when, you know, I think there's still people, like, Tea and Cookies blog. I think, I don't know. I think she started probably around then, too, and, yeah.
0: Cool. I actually chatted with Tea and Cookies, Tara Austin Weaver, right?
1: Yes, I met her too. So yeah, I went down to Seattle and uh, stayed at her house. <laughs> oh, wow. Cool. <laughs> yeah.
0: Now, how has blogging changed since 2005, in your opinion?
1: Oh, it's changed a lot. I think people have seen it as a career path or something. So it's certainly gotten much more like magazine in terms of photography anyways, like so much thought and work is put into taking really beautiful photos so it looks like a magazine i think that's probably the biggest and plus just the explosion that there are so many food blogs like i'll come across on pinterest i'll be like oh i've never you know there's just new blogs every day that i've never heard of but yeah i think the care that goes into photography was like a major thing
0: Right now, it's been ten years since you started your blog. That's a huge commitment and tons of dedication. <laughs> How has your blog sort of evolved in that ten years?
1: Well, I think I was really excited when I first started doing my food blog. Like, I sometimes would post twice a day, and now it's like, oh, I posted last night, and I realized I haven't posted it all month. Like, it's now the twenty-third, something like that. And I was just like, "Wow, I have not posted anything all month." And I think it's just life has become really busy. I have like two businesses, so and also it's just I'm not as in touch, I think, with the food blog community anymore. And so I'm just deciding. Well, I still like cooking. I still like having a blog. I do craft fairs a lot, and people who read my blog always come up to me and tell me like, "I love your blog. Don't ever stop." And I often get comments from strangers that are just like, oh, please, you know, I love your recipes. I love your blog. And so it's just like, oh, I guess there are people out there who are still listening or still reading what I have to say. And I still like sharing food. It's just I don't have as much time or the urge to, you know, post everything I write. And also Instagram has changed a lot. You know, blogs and it's so much easier just to put a photo of my dinner on Instagram.
0: Well, you write photograph and design your blog. What part of blogging do you find the most challenging and what comes most naturally to you?
1: Oh, well, I haven't updated my blog design. like that's the shame. I think when you like do it for a living, like you're a designer, you know, working for yourself, having yourself as a client is the worst, and plus finding the time. so, I haven't designed my blog since 2007 or 2010, I think. So it's been a long time since I've redesigned my blog and I really should update it. But it's hard by the time. I find photographing is really difficult. I don't want it to look like a magazine spread or, I mean, I wish I had those skills, but I just like, oh, food's ready. I'm really hungry. Let's just take a quick snapshot and eat. But I guess I do like the writing. I think that's probably what comes easiest. Obviously, I think cooking is the easiest. Like, I love, you know, looking in my fridge and coming up with a recipe or, you know, something like that. Or if I see a recipe that I want to try. That for me is like the easiest thing. Writing's a little more difficult.
0: Well, you share recipes ranging from cakes and desserts, savory dishes, beverages and of course some sandwiches. <laughs> Where does your passion for cooking and food come from?
1: I think it comes from my mom. Like when I was you know, when I was little, my mom would always had a ton of cookbooks and she had this big kind of recipe folder that like it's I don't even know what it was like a case, a giant plastic case that she used as a file folder and you know, she'd always be clipping recipes from newspapers and magazines. And my mom loved baking, my mom loved cooking. So there's always food always was going on in the kitchen. We helped out me and my brother helped out. But I really loved, you know, helping my mom stir cake batter. And then when my mom started working full time again, you know, she would always leave a little note. You know, there's, oh, there's chicken legs in the fridge, Jeanette, can you make dinner? And so I would have to like Look up a recipe, figure out what I wanted to make with that. Sometimes she'd leave me a recipe, I think, initially, but then, you know, then it was just like, oh, there's chicken legs, use those up. So yeah, I think I just, you know, it was just something to help out the family. It was one of my, I don't know if it was a chore exactly, but yeah, I really liked doing it. And I think, you know, I would get like all kinds of oohs and ahs from my parents so that was very encouraging.
0: Would you say that that's basically how you learned to cook like just trial and error growing up you know because I think today a lot of people I mean like myself I mean we we learn to cook through you know websites or YouTube and stuff like that but obviously you know even 10 years ago there wasn't so many websites or YouTube or anything like that so for you learning to cook was really through your parents and through just making dinner for your family.
1: Yeah and I think there's a certain point I became a vegetarian, and, you know, my family was not vegetarian. And I think I was vegetarian for 10 years, probably in my, you know, late teens, or early 20s. And so that, I think, really helped me love cooking. You know, it was something unusual that I didn't become a vegetarian for any sort of reason other than to sort of, like, piss off my parents, maybe. <laughs> like, it was just a little rebellious kind of move to become a vegetarian, And, yeah, so, you know, that was just something that I sort of figured out on my own, like cooking with beans and cooking with uh, lentils and, yeah, just using vegetables and tofu. So I think that was also something that sort of continued onwards.
0: Gotcha. And that kind of, I'm sure, expanded your sort of culinary horizons as well in terms of if you eat meat now, I mean, you can definitely incorporate some of the stuff that you learned at that point to your dishes today.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think like still most of our meals uh, that I cook now are probably 70% vegetarian anyway. So I love vegetarian food.
0: <laughs> right. Now you approach food in terms of a making do or make do cooking. Can you explain or share what you mean by making do? I
1: think it comes from like maybe not having a lot of money like when I moved to Vancouver you know I worked at a record store so I didn't make a lot of money and as a creative I've always been sort of struggling so yeah I hate wasting food you know and then I tend to postpone cooking dinner sometimes like it'll be late and I don't want to you know stores are closed or I don't want to run out to the store to buy anything so I have to sort of scramble and look what's in my cupboard or you know like oh here's some celery and some lentils and yeah it just sort of comes from you know our grandmother's type of cooking where yeah they didn't go to the grocery store buy like the best cuts of meat they couldn't buy you know whatever they wanted because they had a strict budget so I kind of think that's how my style of cooking sort of developed because part of laziness part of you know like that I didn't have a lot of money so I think it all comes from a little thriftiness and
0: do you think that this actually allows you to be more creative in the kitchen having such parameters and sort of restrictions
1: yeah because I you know I remember once just having this was years ago and I was having a friend over for dinner, and I realized, I have no money. Like, I don't really have much in the way. So I bought a little bit of Parmesan cheese, and I had celery and pasta and onion. And so I made this pasta dish, you know, that was, like, basically celery, you know, sautéed celery and onions with some hot peppers topped with celery and the little crumbs, and it was just like wow this is very delicious like it's probably not what you want to serve someone coming over for dinner <laughs> necessarily but the person I was with probably in the same sim- similar situation they were happy to have a free meal so all good
0: yeah do you have any tips for home cooks like myself who sometimes feel like they have to follow recipes to the T? So, you know, if I don't have something, I'll have to, like, run out to the store and get it. Now, are there some sort of essential pantry items you would say for this make-do approach?
1: I think it's probably good to have some good herbs on hand, like, dried is totally fine. Fresh is better. I love, you know, having rosemary on hand or, like, herb de Provence, which is... This like herb mix that has like lavender and thyme and rosemary, but yeah, I think any recipe like you don't, I mean, you know, within reason. But I think there's generally you should be playing with recipes. Like I don't have a lot of things, or sometimes like I hate bananas, or I hate, you know, like I hate bananas. So most smoothie recipes always call for bananas, so I use pineapple instead. But yeah, I you know have lentils, should have aromatics like onions and garlic on hand. But, yeah, I think you can do a lot, you know, if you have an onion and then some garlic.
0: Right. Have there been times when you're making do and what you made just didn't turn out? You mentioned one success story. Is there a story where when you were making do, it just wasn't kind of what you expected?
1: Oh, all the time. I mean, not all the time, but, yeah, it happens a lot. And I think you just kind of have to roll with it, like, offhand, I can't think. Like, when was the last time something went bad? But I do remember probably in the earlier, in the spring or winter, There was, like, a whole week where everything, like, I made maybe two dishes that week, or I made several dishes, but two of them were horrible flops. Like, they just did not turn out at all. And so it's kind of disappointing. And you're just like, oh, and because I really hate wasting food, I just, you know, either, like, I think I probably ended up eating a lot, maybe it was the soup or something, and I just ended up eating it because it was there or, you know, threw it out. But, yeah, I think you just have to expect that, yeah, not everything is going to be magical, but I think... Once you start playing around with food, you kind of, in taste as you go along, you know, you kind of will get a sense like, oh, if the soup, you know, maybe it needs a little something sweet. So add a carrot or some yams or, you know, even a little blob of maple syrup or something. So, yeah, like you can kind of use your taste buds to kind of figure out, oh, it needs more spice or salt or something.
0: Yeah, I guess tasting along the way is kind of a really important sort of skill set because, you know, if you do that, you probably will not end up with a total disaster at the end of it.
1: Yeah, I think having, you know, let your taste buds be your guide.
0: Right. Jeanette, as you mentioned, you run a web business with your husband called Matchbox Creative, and you have a greeting card business called The Beautiful Project. Now, you're clearly super busy. Do you still find time to experiment in the kitchen?
1: Yeah, I think so. I kind of think, like, I do like simple recipes, so I tend to gravitate towards recipes that don't require, like, a lot of crazy ingredients or fancy, difficult techniques. But, yeah, like, when I have friends coming over for dinner, I like to, you know, I was just talking to a friend because we had some friends over on Saturday, and they're just like, they like, when they have friends over, they make a tried-and-true recipe. But for me, I often don't eat the same thing. I make it once or twice. And then I move on, like, I do have some favorites, but I generally try new recipes all the time. And I made a galette, and I usually make sweet galettes, but this one was like a savory one, and it was really delicious. I made it for a friend of mine, it turned out super great, and it wasn't very difficult to make either,
0: it's very brave of you to try these new recipes with company coming over.
1: I know I made a, like a rice noodle dish with some grilled chicken, and I think it. There were recipes that had really good, you know, reviews online, so I think that you know helps. And I just felt like, oh, they're very straightforward written and the ingredient i mean i had most of the ingredients at home already so i didn't didn't fear the fish sauce or anything strange that was going on in the recipe and you shouldn't be afraid of fish sauce anyway
0: (laughs) right for people with busy schedules where cooking is more of a chore than something enjoyable how can we make cooking fun again
1: i think you should try new recipes like i think that's the funnest part because the outcome is generally a surprise, and hopefully it's a good surprise. I think just trying new recipes, maybe trying a new ingredient. The other day I bought pandan leaf, probably because I had tasted the water at Pok Pok in Portland, where the water they serve is flavored with pandan leaf, and it's the best tasting water. It's kind of like toasty rice flavored somehow. So I haven't used it yet, but I'm going to try and figure out a recipe for that water.
0: Well, I've heard that pandan. I've heard it described as being the vanilla of Southeast Asia. So,
1: Yeah, it's used a lot in Thai cuisine. So, yeah, I'm curious.
0: Cool. Well, here at the Dinner Special, we talk with food heroes about dinner dishes that are special to them and how we can make it at home. Can you talk about a dish that is special to you and maybe a little bit about the story behind the dish?
1: My mom used to make... I wrote about it on my blog. It's this vanilla chocolate chip cake. My mom made it pretty much... Like when we were little, she made, you know, pretty elaborate cakes shaped like teddy bears and frosting. And I think no one in our family is a big frosting fan. So I don't know. She found this recipe for this vanilla chocolate chip cake baked in a Bundt pan, although I'm sure you could probably bake it in another type of pan. But the Bundt pan to me is just a very familiar and homey, you know, way to have this cake. It's pretty simple. Like I said, there's no frosting. It requires some vanilla sugar. My mom would always get the little Dr. Oetker's sort of packets of vanilla sugar, and it's just dusted with icing sugar. So it's very simple, you know, for a birthday cake, but it's something that I totally love. And my mom died a few years ago, and so I try to make that cake now on her birthday, October 1st. So I try to make this cake once a year, because just having... The cake in the oven, like it's so vanilla-y and it's very heady, deep. It just fills the whole kitchen with this smell. And seeing the cake, when we cut into it or when I eat it, it's got a very dense kind of crumb. Like it's unlike any other cake that I bake. And for me, that cake is my mom. Like it's a way to sort of bring back everything about my mom that I love. It's just a nice way to sort of commemorate her and make me feel close to her. That's probably the dish that I make that I feel is probably the most special.
0: Let's say that you were to make your vanilla chocolate chip cake and you could share it with three famous people. Who would you share the cake with?
1: Maybe Nigella Lawson because, you know, she looks like she would love some good cake. Very buttery. Tim Gunn from Project Runway. I don't know if he eats a lot but. He'd be a good sort of person to chat with over coffee and cake. And Mark Ruffalo, because he's adorable. He's an actor, so.
0: Perfect. Well, you love movies, and you're having Mark Ruffalo over. What movie would you pair with your vanilla chocolate chip cake?
1: I think it's a movie called Waitress. It's a movie about food, and it's about pies, actually. So, I don't know, but I think because it's very pretty... I think it takes place in the south, so all the colors seem sun-drenched and beautiful. So that would be a good movie just to watch.
0: Cool. Well, I call the next part of the Dinner Special podcast The Pressure Cooker. I'm going to ask you seven fast and fun questions that we want to know your answers to. Are you up for it? Okay. (laughs) Awesome. Number one, which food shows or cooking shows do you watch?
1: I do watch TV. And I would have to say we just started watching The Great British Bake Off. So I only started watching the newest season, and it's perfect. Everyone is so polite. Everyone's so kind and gentle. There's no ego, and uh, there's lots of luscious cakes and baked goods. So that's pretty great. And then we also started watching My Husband and I. It's a Netflix show, and I think it's called A Chef's Table. And it's by, the I think, the director of Jiro Dreams of Sushi. So, like, each episode is a new chef, one-hour documentary about a certain chef, and it's probably the most inspiring television I've seen in a long time, or it's, it's not even if you're interested in cooking, but I think, obviously, that helps. My husband, who could care less about cooking, finds it very inspiring. I think if you're a creative person, it's really great hearing from people who are creative and have a passion for what they do and
0: do well. Awesome. Number two. What are some food blogs or websites we have to know about?
1: I think Dinner Was Delicious or Is Delicious. It's a Tumblr blog. I really like that one. Good photography, but it's the writing that's kind of like snappy, sassy, and fun. Kitchen Culinaire. She's a local Vancouver blogger. I've been to her kitchen and pretty much the blog features her beautiful kitchen and her beautiful recipes that are quite simple but very beautiful and almost ethereal.
0: Now number three, who do you follow on Pinterest, Instagram, Facebook, or YouTube that make you happy?
1: I would say Kitchen Culinaire is really good on Instagram. I look at Instagram a lot, so Witten Vinegar is another food blogger who has a great Instagram. Coco Cupcake, another Vancouver blogger, but beautiful, fun photographs of tasty cakes.
0: Number four, what is the most unusual or treasured item you have in your kitchen?
1: It would probably be a split between, I have this old cast iron frying pan that was given to us by my husband Cornelius's grandmother when she passed away. And it's old, it's a workhorse, you know, I feel like it's just something that, you know, I'll never get rid of. And I use it all the time, like I just made eggs for breakfast this morning, I use it for baking salmon... I've baked cakes in it. It's really amazing. I also am very partial to my pistachio colored KitchenAid mixers, which I got as a wedding present. So I love that.
0: Great. Number five, name one ingredient you used to dislike that you now love.
1: Oh, I have a lot of dislikes for being a food blogger and someone who supposedly loves food, but I think cucumber is one that I never really liked. And I still don't really like it when people flavor water with cucumber. That's not very refreshing for me. But, yeah, cucumber, I used to think the texture kind of skeeved me out somehow. But now, like last night, I, we had sandwiches, and, you know, I had cucumber in the sandwich, and i make cucumber salads all the time, and I just find it really refreshing, especially during the summer.
0: Cool. Number six, what are a few cookbooks that make your life better?
1: Well, I think one of the first cookbooks that I really loved when I started cooking, when I became a vegetarian, was the Moosewood cookbook. It has no photos, and, you know, that doesn't bother me. And I just really loved it. It was kind of hippie-ish, but it really sort of explained vegetarian cooking for me. So I really think that cookbook yeah, deserves a prime spot on my shelf,
0: and I'll never get rid of it. It's called the
1: Moosewood cookbook? Yeah, Moosewood cookbook. And there's a whole series of those books from, I think it's a restaurant in upstate New York. And vegetarian restaurant and all the recipes are really great
0: gotcha number seven the final question what song or album just makes you want to cook
1: probably it's an album by the Kinks called village green preservation society very retro well i mean it's from the 60s so it's retro but it's just very pleasant sounding poppy it would be a perfect sort of cooking album, but if I really am feeling tired and I need a little something, I'd probably throw on Robin, just something really kind of fun to get in the kitchen. Yeah.
0: Awesome. Well, congratulations, Jeanette. You have officially survived the pressure cooker.
1: Yay! <laughs>
0: Jeanette, thank you so much for joining me here on the Dinner Special podcast. Now you're all over social media. What's the best way for us to keep up with what you're up to? Um,
1: I would say on Instagram. My handle is kickpleats, so that would be the best
0: way. Perfect. And, of course, the blog is everybodylikessandwiches.com. Thank you, Jeanette, for taking the time to chat with me today. I had a lot of fun. It's been my pleasure. I hope you had fun, too.
1: I did. Thank you so much. Thank you
0: so much for listening. Head over to com. For recipes, highlights from every show, super blog articles, and all the wonderful ways to keep in touch on social media. Your culinary journey awaits, so let's get cooking.